Howdy, y'all. You scruffheads already know that you can ease aches, pains, inflammation, and arthritis with cosmetic CBD hemp pain cream. But now we're going to talk about cosmetic CBD infused tattoo balm. Cosmetic CBD tattoo balm protects your body art with the healing properties of CBD and cosmetics patented water soluble CBD formula. Cosmetic is not just a luxury CBD skincare brand. They are also proud partners with I Equals Change, an organization that helps brands give back to causes they believe in. Every time you shop with Cosmetic, they donate a dollar to one of their favorite charities. You choose which one of those charities you want it to go to. Donations are sent to one of three carefully selected projects. When you shop with Cosmetic, you shop for a cause. Visit Cosmedicated.com. That's C-A-U-S-E Medicated.com. And be kind to your skin. All right, let's do it. Welcome in, guys. South of Scruffy podcast. My name is Ben Fields. I'm the host of this podcast, and I'm glad you're here. Thanks for joining me. Uh, I've got Wes Bailey on the show today. Wes Bailey is the keyboard player for Moon Taxi. Uh, Wes is a dear old friend of mine. Uh, he and I have uh, he and I played music together almost 20 years ago in high school. Uh, his music career continued. Mine did not. <laughs> he's making the best of it and doing a really great job uh, with Moon Taxi. Those guys are a whole lot of fun to listen to and to see. And we dig into that whole trip uh, here on the podcast today. The uh, last episode, the Ryan Stasek episode went great, man. Thanks for uh, thanks for everybody who who uh, found out about us through that and is back to check out Wes. Uh, we're going on a little jam band run here. <laughs> I hope that's okay. I uh, hope you guys are enjoying it. And thanks for thanks for hanging around with us. Uh, go to the website, southwestcruffy.com. Check it out there. There's merch there on the website. There's ways to donate to the show. There's all kinds of cool stuff, ways to follow us on social media, all that. Just go to the website. That's the best way to kind of get engaged a little bit farther. All right. I'm going to just, let's, let's just do it. Let's dig in. Let's just go. Let's do it. Here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, Wes Bailey. We're doing the pop test. Yeah. It's recording. Sweet. How you doing? Good, man. I'm glad we made this happen. Me too. I I, uh, I had my wife. Uh, I knew she was going to one of your shows back in December, a, 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 tri- a West Bailey Trio show. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, just, you know, just men- just mention it to him. See what he's up to. Because I knew you guys would be in town with Moon Taxi. Yeah. Like in February. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, I guess those are those are busy times, right? You, you They're guys very are- busy. Yeah. Um, I get a lot of emails and texts from people who claim they're related to me asking for tickets, you know, like Uncle Jim Hop. I, I don't know who that is. <laughs> so I'm sorting through that, you know, sort of trying to verify um, the guest list. Um, <laughs> DNA tests. Yeah, and so forth. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> 23andMe. Um so yeah, it's it is a busy time, and I've got a baby now, so yeah. letting all the cousins and you know all yeah. that stuff uh, get that sorted out before the show. So now I can kind of chill, and we can have a nice long talk. Yeah, I gotta say, man, like the uh, it, it, the podcast was kind of perfect because I I started it at, right around that same time at the end of last year, and kind of had this you know twenty or so episodes that I built up to, and so I had some some like proof of concept to point to. And now I'm able to get people like you who are normally touring the country Mm -hmm. or can't do it, but you know, you've got a little bit of time. And so I've been able to get some people who would otherwise be way too busy to to do it. And so it's been great. Yeah. It's been great for the podcast. So I'm glad that you, I'm really glad that, uh, that, that we can make this happen. And, uh, 
I was willing to drive to Nashville to do it because I wanted to talk to you. I know. Wow. I'm yeah. glad it worked out. Yeah, me too. Well, what have you been up to since the uh, since since you can't tour? Um, well, a lot of diaper changing, a lot of um, strolls around the neighborhood. <laughs> um, we're really just, you know, the music industry is pretty much shut down yeah. as far as the live aspect. Um, we have an album done. Oh, good. Uh, it's been pretty much 100% complete since the beginning of the year, maybe mid-January. Um, so we're super stoked about that. We just don't know when it's going to come out, you yeah. know, what the best time is. You know, we don't want to put it out when everything clears up and people can tour again when you have a hundred albums drop at once yeah. or, you know, and we also don't want to wait too long where fans forget about it. So it's a, yeah. it's kind of a moving target. Um, we're going to probably keep releasing some singles probably through the summer. I think we've got one coming out at the end of July, hoping to get the album out by fall is, awesome. is the plan. It, it needs to be this year. It's yeah. just been too long. And you long. guys do the, do the, put the album out, then do a, a supporting tour right afterwards usually or yeah, is it- usually that's the plan i mean you know their albums like run the jewels just dropped their album yeah. this week which is amazing by the way yeah. um i haven't heard it yet it's, it's killer yeah. yeah um fish my- fish did uh april 1st right yeah yeah, yeah. sigma oasis right yeah. um so you know they can kind of pick up touring whenever you know yeah. we, we sort of have to remind our fans hey we you know you know we're still kind of climbing our way um <clears throat> to, to, you know, more of a national audience. So, you know, we've got a kind of tour, you know, it's funny, like we'd name our tours, but it's really just been a perpetual tour since like 2007. Right. You know, we've never really taken a, a break like this. I mean, this is the longest stretch of time. Um, I've personally gone without playing a show in, I don't know, 15 years. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's yeah. crazy. And, you know, I saw Trevor, we did a an acoustic stream about a month ago, and I hadn't seen him in about six weeks. And really? It, yeah, it was. Yeah, I mean, we you know we'll chat, you know, text every. Yeah. But like Spencer, our guitar player's got two kids. Our drummer just last month had a kid. I've got a kid. You know, we're all kind of when we're off, we're it's kind of like brothers. You know, I mean, you know, you got a brother. It's yeah. like we're, we're we're able to sort of function without necessarily having to see each other all yeah. the time. And I yeah. think that's probably one of the reasons we've lasted is because we're not just wearing each other out all the time, you know, like we used to. Yeah. In a tiny van and <laughs> living on the same street. Three of the guys lived in the same house for years. Um, it's We've kind of spaced that out. And I think that's helped sort of give us a little more longevity and yeah. sanity. Is that how all bands start? The three guys living in the house yeah, together yeah. and they're all friends and they're like, screw getting a job. Let's be, yeah. let's, let's be rock stars. Yeah, pretty much. Well, yeah. it worked for you guys. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Um, so far, so good. Um, yeah. yeah the Spencer, Trevor, and, um, and Tommy lived in a house off 12 South and I, which is across the street from Belmont campus, which is where Tyler and I were still in school. So yeah, I mean, we saw each other about every day. You know, we'd, yeah. I'd get out of class, have a band practice. Um, at the very beginning, it was very much a self-contained business. We didn't have a booking agent. Tommy did that. We didn't have an accountant. Spencer did business management. Mm-hmm. Um, Trevor did merch. Mm-hmm. You know, he'd go to the post office. He, they knew him by, you know, first name basis. Here, hey, Trev, you know, dropping off T-shirts to ship out. Um, <laughs> I was still in school, but, you know, I kind of helped with just, Social media was yeah. sort of my role from the very beginning. The young guy, yeah, the yeah, the kid. Um, so yeah, I I did social media. You know, um, we all just sort of tried to keep the business afloat without bringing on too many people. And it wasn't a good. It was probably a good three or four years before we even had an agent. 
probably about the same amount of time until we got an actual manager. So wow. we were really just kind of wearing all hats yeah. at that time, which yeah. was cool. You learn a lot that way. Yeah, I bet. And then you also know when it's time to get someone else to do that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Does it free once you're not the once you're not the uh, keyboard player slash social media uh, manager? Does it free you up to be more creative with the music? You know, honestly, I think Trevor and and, and my and I'm kind of the same way. Might prefer a little bit of the older regime because we liked. The control. Yeah. We like to just kind of get weird and do whatever we wanted on our yeah. social media. Now there's a whole team of people that yeah. kind of approve stuff. I mean, and they're amazing at what they do. I yeah. mean, it's probably for the best. Yeah. Um, but Trevor like yeah, I skipped seeing Trevor. The guys like um the responsibility and the, you know, the, the sort of pride you get when you look back and say you really had an active hand in building this mm-hmm. on your own. You know, I remember the first gig we had in Knoxville. You know, we I I think I booked it at Patrick Sullivan's. I think you were there. Mm-hmm. Um, I was sitting at the merch table. Oh, no, that's right. Yeah. yeah, were you selling merch? I was. I, oh, was, nice. I was selling merch for you. That's amazing. I forgot about that. Yeah. Did you do that like, a couple times? I think. I right? think I did. Yeah. Oh yeah, Patrick right. Sullivan. Yeah, you were. That's yeah. You were a merch guy. That's right. Oh my god, you're part of the team. I'm telling you, like you don't already know. Um, so yeah, I mean, I you know sort of rounded up you know all my friends. You know this band sight unseen. You know they. We didn't, I don't think at the time had much music released, nothing that I was on. So, you know, I really had to sort of lobby with my buddies to come out. And Knoxville has always been a very steady, good market for us. Um, You think a little bit of that's because so many people know you around here? I think that was got the wheels in motion. Yeah. Now I look Probably some name recognition came from that. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I'd been gigging in town for a while and a lot of grew up here. Well, people are really familiar with Moon Taxi around here. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. and I'm sure that's a lot because, you know, because they were familiar with you. Well, I think in the beginning, I mean, you know, a lot of it, you probably knew in the, the first, you know, five years of us coming here, 90% of the people in the room, sure. you know, it was more of our crowd. Yeah. Now, I, you know, we play Milamont. I don't know anybody. Yeah. I'm looking out like, who is it? You know, I, mean, yeah. I guess because it actually took us a while to go from the West Knoxville crowd to the UT students to sort of you know, yeah. permeate that scene. Yeah. Really, it took Spotify. It was honestly really, what really flipped the switch. Yeah, and I think that was the way because Spotify came out. I think the end of 2011. And you guys were well into playing by then. Oh right? yeah, I mean we'd been touring at that point for four or five years. So we yeah. had a good live show. Uh, we had a little, you know, name recognition, a little buzz in the southeast. We hadn't done much national touring yet. But when Spotify came out, we had a song on our cabaret album, which came out in early 2012, Mercury, yeah. which. A lot, which really, re- I think it was one of the most streamed songs within southeastern city or uh, SEC towns. Gotcha. So Tuscaloosa, Athens, yeah, yeah, Columbia. So that was a real amazing, you know, asset for us to be able to have, you know, people sharing music so quickly. Before it was, you know, hopefully a CD got burned for them. You know, it was such a faulty way to, to yeah. spread your music. Hopefully they see your MySpace page right. kind of thing. So now Spotify, they were able to just click one button. They have your music right there. Um, so that's when our touring business started to really kind of, and then we finally played Bonnaroo in yeah. 2012, which I think was a major catalyst for us. Um, as far as, I mean, we, we'll, we'll play shows now from 
Florida to Seattle, and someone always comes up to us. I saw you at Bonnaroo 2012. We were the last name on the line. I remember that. I remember seeing that come out. I was like, just made it. Just made it. Bubble team. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And we got an amazing slot, too. You'd think the person at the very, very bottom would have be playing the you know, the the Miller Lounge or something smaller. But no, we were playing, we played that tent 7.30 Thursday night. Uh, really? Yeah, which was just... Um, I think that tent is my favorite venue oh, at gosh, Bonnaroo. It's, amazing. it's an I've amazing tent. i some of the tent. best shows there. Me too. Oh, I'm getting chills. Mm-hmm. Me, you, and Ward Houston saw, uh, was it, I just ran into you guys after like a tool show at Bonnaroo. And we met up and then we we saw... Uh, Trey Anastasio, Mike Gordon, yes. and the Benevento Russo. The Benevento, yes. The, the FUO, Sup- they were calling it. Yeah, right. It was the Super Jam that Super night. Super Jam. It started at like 2 a.m. or something. Yeah, it did, yeah, it started at 2 in the morning. Yeah. And it was at that tent. And it was yes. one of the most amazing shows yes, I've ever was. seen. And it, and, and it was the three of us hanging out. Yeah. It was so good. I hadn't seen you in years. Right. And we ended up at a show. Yeah, together. we were jamming. I remember... Uh, uh, Phil Lesh came out and guested with him that night. Oh my gosh! And, and he he walked up to the mic and said, "There will be no trampolines on stage." Tonight. Oh, nice! <laughs> wow, no great. yim. Yeah, no, no yim. <laughs> no yeah, yim. It's yeah. great. So let's let's start at the beginning and like get up through the the whole moon taxi trajectory and all that. So you grew up in Knoxville, right? Grew up in Knoxville. Yep. When did you pick up playing music? You know, my grandmother had a piano in her basement that I'd always just sort of bang on. Um, eventually, that cacophony sort of turned into something sort of musical and my parents um thought eh, maybe I ought to try piano lessons so I think in the third grade I think it was actually my ninth birthday I started taking lessons at the church where my daycare was um yeah and started out with classical Suzuki all that stuff yeah. did that until I was about 14 and then I met this guy Ben Fields who <laughs> turned me on to a guy named Ben Folds and everything changed and that's the darn truth no. Yeah, well, you know, I was starting to do like a little more like ragtime and not yeah. completely. Yeah, I mean, this was freshman year at Bearden where we went to high school. And yeah. you graduated 02 or 03? 03. Uh, 03, okay. So, yeah, yeah, you were upperclassman. I don't know how you knew that I played the piano. I'll tell you how I knew. Okay. I was doing I was doing acting at the time, and I was in Katie Norwood's class. Mm. And I was talking about, you know, music one day or piano or something. And she was like, have you met this guy, Wes Bailey? I was like, no, I've never met him. She said, he's a freshman and he is amazing at the Hmm. piano. You guys should, you should meet him. And she's the one who introduced the two of us somehow. And then we played together. Yeah, yeah, we did. So (laughs) at the time, I didn't know anything what you would consider commercial really on the piano, other than like ragtime. I didn't know, I was starting to learn blues a little bit. My teacher is kind of more traditional at that point. So you enlisted me. I remember tracking me down in the halls like, hey, I want to play this Ben Folds 5 song called Philosophy. I play drums and I sing. I need a piano player. And I said, okay, well, I'll, I'll learn it. So I, you know, for like two months worked on this song with my <laughs> piano teacher. And it was honestly like one of the first commercial pop kind of songs that I'd ever even learned. And it's an amazing kind of Tiny Dancer-esque, yeah. you know, but even more virtuosic. And I really worked hard to learn that. So then we performed it, and that was really the first time I'd ever gigged. You know, I had a yeah. other other than a recital. You know, yeah. <laughs> so it was you know that kind of flipped a switch. So I started to get more as high school went on into jazz and um, found Fish, which was a big um, you know c- kind of a, a catalyst for my appreciation of you know improvisation, yeah. more kind of contemporaneous styles of music. So that got me into the kind of more. Jazz key, keyboardist Herbie Hancock, yeah. George Duke, 
uh, John Medeski yeah. page. Yeah. So um, yeah, and then and, and I was sort of always playing in bands in, in high school, um, and have and, and as soon as I got to college in Nashville at Belmont, I was in a band within ten days of orientation. You know, I was yeah. just like. I was it the frog, frog band? Frogs gone fishing. I, yep. I, I remember. I remember seeing you guys at some uh, clubhouse in Nashville. Oh, there was like a yeah, it, and and uh, it ended up getting broken up. It did. Yeah, there yeah. was a fight that broke out too. Is that what? Is that what yeah, happened? Yeah. Frogs gone fishing. Were you a fish cover band? No, we did a lot of fish. Yeah, um, it, it was original. It was very just jam kind of stuff. I didn't care. Yeah. I mean, it, as long as it was, you know, I was kind of good at funk at that point. Yeah, and that was sort of my thing, and I knew fish songs and Grateful yeah. Dead. So. I was pretty handy. So you were at Belmont for, and did you go to Belmont to study music? Studied music business. Music business. Yeah. Okay. Did you still do some some music classes in there, or did you do that on your own? Really, kind of. You know, it was amazing. I was very lucky because in my freshman dorm, to my left was, and still to this day, the best jazz pianist that I've really ever known. He's from New Orleans. In your Will dorm. Harrington. Yeah. He was to my left. Will Harrington? Will Harrington. He's actually a very prominent studio musician now in LA. Does oh, a lot of nice. pop records, tours with this guy Lucas Graham now. We keep up in, t- in touch with each other a little bit. Um, and then f- a little bit further down the hall was the best classical pianist, Matt Goss, who I ended up living with. So I was just in piano land. It was piano heaven. And I honestly yeah. think that I was pretty good. You know, I was like, you know, b- big fish, small pond in you know, West Knoxville, maybe in the piano scene. Yeah. But I mean, I was, I really realized very quickly I needed a lot of work. Um, <laughs> I was no, you know, virtuoso by any means. So I hung around them and learned a lot about technique and, and just different. I mean, I learned a ton of just jazz tunes. Yeah. And I, you know, in between my classes, I had, you know, 30 minute breaks, I'd go straight to the practice room. So I, that was a, the probably the, the like 05, 06 was definitely the biggest. Um, sort of music. Uh, I'd never been that in, engulfed in so much good music and learned right. so much about you know theory and you know I was so those it was were sort of my training. You had years. piano piano players around you that were great. I mean, when you surround yourself with people that are better than you or or better than you at something, right. you're going to rise to their oh. level. And when you stop being around people who are better than you at something, it's all up to you to get. Yeah, to get it's true. Yourself, yeah, that, you know? and I've realized that, especially in quarantine. Yeah. You know, it's like, well, what do I do? You know, I'm on YouTube like searching lessons, and you know, I, yeah. I continually want to improve. And yeah, well, it was um, really, it was. I mean, dude, it was clear that you had it from from i mean ben folds is no joke that especially yeah. that song philosophy yeah, yeah, for you to learn it and play the hell out of it so quickly at 15 years old or whatever yeah. it was and just kind of pick it up it was like okay this dude is really really good well <laughs> thanks i mean that was um a lot of props to you you gave me a lot of confidence you know there, that, i that thought was, we sounded good we did sound good i yeah. shouldn't have sung that one line where my voice cracked but oh, it, i was you know, like all right. 14 did that cost us the gold medal at the, I think at it the talent did. show were we second right yeah something like that yeah we yeah. We, yeah, we were yeah. pretty good. Um, <laughs> but it was just the two of us, no bass. We yeah. didn't even really think about that. No. Just, we, we don't need that. <laughs> we've, got this, yeah. we've got this piano player who can kill it. <laughs> yeah, I got a heavy left hand. I'll take care of that. But um, So so a, a, ba- a band within 10 days at, at Belmont, mm-hmm. where you just, just ran into some guys in the dorm room and, and, it, and it, was this, it, it was this network of like, these guys need a piano player? Or, you yeah. Know. Well, it, it was the year of Katrina. And oh. a lot of musicians from New Orleans that went to like Tulane and um, 
a lot of them studied at like New Orleans Conservatory, ended up coming to Nashville. A lot of ah. them studied at Belmont, a lot of studied, and they were funky and really good. So I was hanging with these guys. Um, which That's amazing. Was, yeah, it was cool. So yeah, yeah I, I was hanging out with a lot of kind of displaced musicians at the time, and they were great. And we started gigging. Nothing outside of Nashville, though. It was, but we, you know, we do the bar scene there. Yeah. And, um, and I kept hearing about Moon Taxi. They were already they're older. I mean, yeah. they were um, three years older than I was, and had a good kind of fan base on campus. And I went like to see them a bunch at frat parties small. and stuff. Or? Um, yeah, a little bit. I mean, they were from three of the guys were from Alabama, so huh. they had a lot of friends and fraternities at Auburn and gotcha. Georgia. So you know, they were kind of working the SEC scene a little bit at the time, but it was mostly pretty just local. And they just gotten a new drummer about a year before I joined. Tyler, still same five guys. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they were getting really, really good and had really tight tunes. Trevor was an amazing front man. Um, it was a different sound then. I still to this day never considered them a jam band. I right. always thought it was more of just sort of like a improvisationally infused progressive rock yeah. kind of thing. Um, with some just great classic kind of rock songs. Yeah. Um, I talked to Ryan Stasek about that uh, last week about how um, it's like Humphreys McGee, for instance, like there's a lot of heavy metal to mm-hmm. their stuff and there's a lot of prog rock to their stuff. It's like, how yeah. do you, how did you fall into the jam band scene? And right. what he said was like, there was this big vacuum left by fish when they went on hiatus in oh, 2004. Right. And so people were hungry for that two sets and an encore kind of, you know, set list and, and improvisation and stuff like that. And it left, it left just a bunch of people who were really hungry for that type of music. Mm-hmm. It sounds like you guys kind of fell in, it fe- somewhat stepped into that world a, a little bit right around the same time yeah. and got adopted by the same crowd. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of. I mean, you know, it was one of these things where we were never really going for the jam band scene. And, and I, and I don't even love that term. It's really just live music i think i mean mm-hmm. it is they're bands that you know because we've i've seen you know these quote jam festivals you know the avid brothers and yeah. you know that yeah. i wouldn't call it, i mean right. they were a little more I don't right know, but but i i wouldn't so it's, it's sort of a blanket term mm-hmm. and, and might be a little bit misappropriated sometimes we certainly didn't think that was our thing you know and we'd get these super heady festivals and rural Kentucky we're like what are we doing here we're so loud we're yeah. so you know I mean yeah. we could kind of do bluegrass versions of songs or right. you know, or just kind of change it up a little bit that, that was the beauty of what we did I mean in the early years we were playing proms and weddings and <laughs> bar mitzvah you know whatever yeah. it took and yeah. you know we would just sort of change the style or you know reduce tempos and volume and so we got good at sort of adapting um, to, to any to kind of surroundings. Kind of to, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which, you know, musically I, I, it was great for me. I'd started to kind of get into more country and bluegrass style piano, which yeah. is kind of a lost art. You don't really only see string instruments in that setting. And yeah, I mean, if you listen to the, uh, Christy Lee podcast, what, um, with like Wobegon oh, yeah. live from here, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. you know, that, that kind of, I grew up kind of listening to shows like that with the Garrison Keeler show i mean that piano player is just I, I just worship that style chuck lavelle and um you know the little feet keyboard player so what's anyway, it, what's it called what's the name of the podcast live from here, live from here? it's on npr every yeah. saturday and and be, and was it uh uh prairie home companion prairie home companion yeah, yeah okay it, yeah when garrison keeler left and then chris Thiele took over chris Thiele took over yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah, yeah that kind of style um i, I kind of got more into that and so yeah, I mean, we were kind of a jack of all trades, and and through it, were 
gaining a little bit of the fan base, but like I said, it really wasn't until Spotify that, you know, we sort of realized that our sound, the, the jam band sound is actually very hard to record. And that's why a lot of jam band streaming numbers and, and you know, a lot of their records, I mean, I, aside from the Grateful Dead and Fish records, those studio albums are amazing. A lot of them are hard to capture, you know, a lot of energy. Absolutely. And, and we tried that. I mean, in, in our cabaret album, um, we worked on for two years because we couldn't just crack it. You know, really? Yeah, I mean, we. That's record- one of my favorite albums of, Thanks, of yeah. you guys. That's a really great, Thanks. great record. Um, yeah, and that was the that was the first one that I was on. Um, and well, we we did a live album called Live Ride. We, you know, that was the thing. Are we going to just do live albums forever? Right. You know, yeah. I mean, that was kind of our bread and butter. But we really wanted to. Spencer, our guitar player, is now officially our producer, but at the time was kind of learning the ropes of of home recording. Yeah. And so much of the cabaret sound is sort of his very sort of newfound knowledge and ability to record at home. And it certainly saves a lot of money. I mean, we did yeah. that album maybe for, I don't know, five grand, maybe 10 grand. You, you, know, you recorded is, it at Spencer's house? Uh, a lot of it. Yeah, all the vocals. And, and it was great. Like I said earlier, we, you know, we lived in the same... Neighborhood, essentially, mm-hmm. you know, off Belmont Boulevard. I just graduated, lived, you know, a, a half a mile from campus, and we were all sort of in that area. So we were all available. There were no kids. You know, we all had girlfriends, a lot of free time. You know, we put so much work into that album. Um, and at, at, at the same time, we're learning a lot about the recording process and what that meant for kind of doing it on your own. And, yeah. You know, where to cut corners, rent gear. I mean, our friends in the band called The Wigs, they used to – um rent well buy a bunch of recording equipment from guitar center use it for a couple weeks and then return it yeah (laughs) because they got a great return policy you know they got some great albums out of it (laughs) gotta do what you gotta do so yeah when uh when cabaret came out uh were you guys were you you guys still running the whole ship yourself or had you found management by then and at that point we'd found a manager we had an agent um so this is going back to the the beginning of, of working on cabaret and this would be the kind of middle of 2010. I just graduated college, um, doing a lot of writing, you know, just kind of gigging around town, weren't really growing. And then we went on our first national tour hmm. ever. We had an agent who was younger than all of us. Um, God rest him. He was a little in over his head. I don't yeah. think he'd ever had a, uh, owned a map fortunately i mean it was the most just all over it's like oh you're gonna play in ithaca and then gotta get you down to columbus and we're like, <laughs> okay i mean that's fine a lot of these are college towns and this is like june but okay and it we call it our disaster oh <laughs> yeah and it was and it almost 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 kind of split it, i wouldn't say it split up the band but it all it really put a lot in perspective like is this do we really want to keep tra- you know and that was Cabaret was sort of our, you know, glimmer of hope in the distance to, to have an album that we're proud of. And yeah. Um, so so we at were, this point, it was still not really on like super, super solid footing. Very unsolid footing. Yeah. I mean, gotcha. th- th- this was our, you know, maybe our second time going to New York, first time out West. And it was just, unfortunately, a very poorly put together tour. Right. And, and when you've got five guys and a light guy because we had to have a light guy you yeah, know sure. which, with heavy You're a jam band right yeah of course you, <laughs> you don't need sound you need lights so you know we'd pull up to these venues and you know we were like God, there's just no one come i mean yeah. no one really came i mean it yeah. was it was tough and you know a lot of these venues were 
um, really old. They shouldn't. I, I remember we pulled up to one and I think it was Grand Haven, Michigan. And instead of moon taxi on the marquee, it just said for sale. <laughs> oh, it's for sale headlining. <laughs> I haven't seen them in years. <laughs> what are they doing now? <laughs> so, I mean, it was like one after the other. I mean, we, um, you know, and sometimes, I mean, you know, the thing is like, we were a tight, pretty good band then. And it didn't matter if you put us in, you know, Calhoun's on the river and we're just blaring a bunch of prog, super tight. That's great. These old people, we were just playing in front of the wrong crowd. Yeah. You know, it was not. So that was tough. We're like, how do we, you know, break out of this? You know, if this, it was, it was, we were kind of in a downward spiral. So focus more on songwriting. We cut, like I said, you know, we were working so hard on cabaret and trying to capture that live energy. We sort of just abandoned that whole concept of, we got to show them what we can do live, you know, because yeah. it's just, I mean, a 10 minute guitar solo in the studio is just not sure. It, it wasn't exciting for us. Yeah. And, and it didn't sound like the juice was worth the squeeze with touring at that right. point. No. Right. So you might as well, mm-hmm. you know, focus on more of a traditional, yeah. uh, traditional music path of sell records. Yeah. Yeah. Try to sell records. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, we shortened the songs. Um, there's maybe one over five minutes, you yeah. know, we just really focused on the arrangement getting a you know unique sounds and uh yeah when that came out we started to see a switch like i said got bonnaroo so we're sort of caught up with that and that's when we started to play festivals we got Lollapalooza, you know and and we were just it felt so good to be going in a direction that right we saw our sound and our band and our fan base yeah going and fortunately a lot of the i mean we weren't that big in the jam band community of course there's going to be all these I don't want to say hippies, but people that get on our page, you all sold out. You, you know, yeah. they call it emo. Yeah. You know, yeah. all this stuff. Yeah. Do you know? No, listen. <laughs> we never wanted to. Be we a never wanted <laughs> ever. That was really never. I mean, we appreciate it, but yeah. we really wanted to focus more on lyrics. We wanted the songs to be special and memorable, mm-hmm. and you know, maybe outlast us. Um, and not to say that jam band songs don't do that, but right. there's more of a focus on you know what happens after minute four and a half and yeah. Yeah, Gaiute's so. 12 minutes long. Yeah, 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 yeah. But every second of that song is a masterpiece. So, yeah, you know. Right, yeah. Well, but we're not fish, you know. Yeah. They've, they've, no, no one will ever be fish. Yeah. But um, So anyway, yeah, it was it was a cool switch. And then briefly, within a year, we recorded, wrote and recorded Mountains, Beaches, Cities, which had yeah. probably, like, to this day, more some of our most prominent um, songs as far as, you know, fan favorites. Yeah. Was the new black on that? Album? Yeah. New black. So I was watching the Sochi Olympics and a BMW yeah. commercial yeah. came on and mm-hmm. the new black was, was the soundtrack for that song. Right. And I was like, Oh, Wes is doing it. Doing all right. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was big. And that was another thing that we sort of realized too. I mean, you know, licensing. It, yeah. Yeah. Sync licensing is, is, is huge. And yeah. Um, and it's like, the best email you can get is, you know, this song that you've already recorded. Yeah. We will pay you for it. It's like, yeah. oh, wow. Here's some is, mailbox money. Yeah, this is nice. You know, <laughs> we don't have to go play a show and, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but that, you know, that whole scene, there's more behind it than you think. You've really got to get in front of the ad agencies and yeah. shake their hand. Yeah. It's not just record it and give, you know, you go up to Chicago. And we played in the lobby of an ad agency. <laughs> Um, and we're like, oh, and we played their Halloween party, you know, completely out of the way. Like, it, this is, is that how that came about? It can. Um, that particular one, I don't remember. Actually, the 
we originally had pitched that for a beer commercial for Guinness called their new black beer. Uh, we Ooh. had the music bed and just sort of the song's not about a beer. It's about a breakup, but we, you know, not <laughs> selling ourselves that low, but yeah. Um, yeah. So we ended up missing an opportunity with Guinness and then it landed on the BMW during the Olympics, which was killer. Yeah. But, yeah. And we've had some great luck with that over the years. So and, you guys made a concerted effort to get your songs licensed. Yeah. So, I, mean, I mean, playing, playing ad agency parties for free, I assume yeah, just, to for get, free. just to get your name out. Yeah. There. I mean, that's, that's kind of the, the gigs you never really hear about. Yeah. Um, and you know, when you're that young and you know, you're 23, 24, it's like, sure. I'll go to Chicago if we can get on a commercial, you know? Yeah. Um. <clears throat> so, and, and you know, and that game is still, we were still with the same publisher. We've we've had some good luck with her working our last record. Um, yeah, it's always fun to hear your song on commercial or a TV yeah. show. Yeah. So, so, uh, so after Mountains, Beaches, Cities, yeah, the name of it. Did you tour to support that album? Yeah, and that's what? when our touring really started to feel. It, it, we'd actually like kind of had a more stable base. Yeah, you know, we you were had able a following. To, yeah, now. yeah. So now, now it's like. It was that kind of the time where it's like this is working. This is yeah, going to work. That was a good yeah. Thirteen through, well, I mean yeah. That's when it started to feel you know productive and um you know we pay the bills. And yeah, start to think to, about a, a like actually establishing yourself right. as a musician. Yeah, and you know I got married that year and um you know our drummer got married and I think it was a year after that or you know we started to just and then that was another thing we really focused on was the work life balance at that point but you know 13 through 15 we were doing probably 150 shows a year wow yeah i mean it was it, it was it was it was great i mean we were playing a lot of festivals yeah. the festivals was i think a lot of promoters realized wow this is a very good festival band you know yeah. it's it's fun, right? It's yeah, fun. It's, music. Pe- people are pe- people are are at festivals that have fun and do a little fist pumping and beer drinking and yeah. all that kind of stuff. And you guys fit, you know, fit that. Yeah. So that was a good thing. And then we finally, in late 2013, played Letterman right before he wrapped called up. It called it. Yeah. And I think at that point he'd pretty much called it quits. Yeah. He was just kind of, it was <laughs> zero Fs given. Zero <laughs> I mean, negative Fs. When what year was that? Uh, that was the end. That was be November 2013. Okay, so is it was that a big deal? I mean, I'm sure it felt like a big deal to it, be in New York playing across the desk from David Letterman. You know, it's yeah. But did it do a lot for the for the for the I band? For I mean, it, it it validates you more so than anything right. in your friends and fans and family's eyes. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like, right. oh, he's really you know. I mean, they have to fill five slots a week. You know, yeah. s- stuff gets moved around. You slip in there, and you know, it, to say that we played the Ed Sullivan Theater, you know, yeah. with Letterman, and mm-hmm. um, you know that, that that's a really cool thing to kind of hang Absolutely. your hat on. And, and then I think it was January following that we played Conan, which was super cool. The TV game is is super cool. I, is I love it cool? That. Yeah, it's fun. I mean, it's it's done. You know that when we played Letterman, it's. It's a very cold theater. I mean, you can't. I didn't sleep a wink the night before. I was just oh, like, can I go yet? I'm yeah. so excited. I Kid mean, on a, Christmas Day. Yeah, I'm a lifelong uh, Letterman fan. And then the tall guy with white hair and glasses opened the door. I'm like, wow, you actually work here. You're not yeah. just character. And yeah. Then Biff, you know, the yeah. headset, you know, yeah. move on over here. It was super cool. And I got to hang out at the piano a little bit with um, Paul. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. I was like, what's that chord in the intro? What's his name? Schaefer. Paul Schaefer. Paul Schaefer. Yeah. yeah. And he, you know, and he emailed me the chord ch- chart for the theme song oh that's so cool it was awesome that dude's a legend yeah i mean he he really uh i think he 
it transcended just being a piano player and became like a character on that, on that oh, show. Cause totally. they hired him just to, you know, right. just, just to be the musician. Yeah. And he actually became, you know, somebody that, that Letterman could soundboard of off of and they could, they could riff back and forth. Oh yeah. Open the door for like a Kevin Eubanks who was later right. on Leno who became a character too. But that, th- that didn't really exist. You just, you were a hired musician. Right. And Schaefer was, that dude, he's the man. Yeah, he is. Amazing player. His hands are tiny. Really? Yeah, and he stretched them out. I was like, does that hurt, dude? You know, he's just doing these crazy <laughs> giant jazz voicings in fifths. I'm like, man, it's really impressive. It's like feet of strength. Anyway, um, so, so yeah. Letterman that- Conan and you're getting, the TV thing is 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 cool. And it's, yeah, got to be validating. Yeah, I that, mean, that'd be the word to use, yeah, is validating. Yeah. And then and then so, so it sounds like... Th- at that point, there's some growth had happened. The mm-hmm. band was definitely a band. Yeah, we're we're doing it. Yeah. Uh, did you did you keep up with with the festival scene after that and uh, and continue to kind of play in that sandbox? Or yeah, yeah. Uh, that was kind of 2000 Bonnaroo 2012. I mean, we'd done a million festivals, you right? Know, like um, smaller, yeah. kind of more jam roots festivals at that point. So Bonnaroo was sort of the first kind of mainstream festival. Mm-hmm. Then we did Lala, and then. That's the year or around that time that Hangout started. So yeah. we popped on that. I bet you guys were huge at Hangout. Hangout's always been great. We're supposed to play this year, fortunately. Oh, really? Postponed, yeah. yeah. So I think- Is that a cool festival? I've never amazing. Been. Oh, it's on the beach. Yeah. yeah it's incredible. It's, it's, it's one cool. of our favorites. Yeah. Um, have you guys played Forecastle? Yep. Bunch. Yeah, we did that last year. Okay. Um, yeah. AC puts that on. Bonnaroo yeah. was like the holy grail, though. I mean, we yeah. tried to get- I mean, being from Knoxville, you know, I was yeah. just- all and I as a you know an attendee for so many years. Trevor actually went to the very first Bonnaroo Did he really? in two thousand two. Yeah, so that holds a really special place in yeah. our heart. Those stages are you know like monuments for us. Yeah, you know so um so that, that's for me too, special. man. I couldn't imagine yeah. being on one after after spending so many hours in front of mm-hmm. those stages and having so many experiences oh, that were yeah. amazing Incredible. with so many bands you never thought you'd be able to right. see. And then now you're on that stage. That's right. got to be yeah. yeah. Now you're providing that for somebody else, right? Yeah, it, it's it's amazing. And it happens just in a flash. Just like, yeah, how oh, was it? You know, it an hour felt like five minutes. But um, do, do you like to hang out at the festivals after you're done if you can, or do yeah. you just like to? Yeah, I hang out. You know, we um, if there's a headliner, like it's actually when we played in 2015, Billy Joel played Sunday, and we played Friday. And had a gig in Jackson Hole, Wyoming on Saturday. And I'm like, I ain't missing Billy Joel. I'll play the gig in Jackson Hole. So Left, you fl- went to Bonnaroo? Played Bonnaroo, Bonnaroo Saturday morning, 6 a.m. Flew to Jackson Hole, 6 a.m. Back from Jackson Hole, back down to Nashville, <laughs> up to Billy Joel. It's like I was just a zombie. <laughs> it was worth it. It's a great show. Uh, that was a, that was yeah, a great show. Yeah. I'm a big Billy Joel Me fan. Me too, man. Were Huge. you there the, uh, uh, the Elton John yep, year? Yep, that yeah. was great too. Was he, yeah. Is he an influence at all on Big you? time, yeah. yeah. I, I just could have probably gone into that. During you know sort of the beginning of me playing more commercial music, you know, Ray Charles, Elton John, Billy Joel. I'd, I'd get, they had these specialized songbooks that had like their licks. Yeah. And they actually had one for Ben Foltz too. Yeah. So I worked through those with my teacher. I mean, I still play, you know, little licks in, you know, philosophy or tiny dancer, different songs that I've played way back when. Yeah. They're just kind of in my, you know, yeah. uh, their muscle memory. Exactly. Yeah. In my wheelhouse. <laughs> pull them out. Yeah. Uh, have you met Ben Foltz? Uh, I Nashville? have, but. As a fan, not yeah. I was in late high school and yeah. um and actually to tell a story about you running into Ben Folds, you, when was that two thousand probably four four or, or something. Five. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. kind of right when I went to college, got a 
package in the mail from Ben Fields, a signed to Wes, Ben Folds poster. Was it the Will Turn he played? Yeah, or? the Will Turn. Yeah, yeah. signed. I've had that in every dorm room, every <laughs> apartment, and now in my house. It's in my bonus room. I'll, it'll always stay up there. Yeah, that, it's the coolest. you've got it still? Of course, yeah. yeah. Look at it every day. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I remember I, I, I walked up to Ben Folds after the show. He was doing like a little meet and greet. It was, you know, the thing that they let five people into after the show or whatever. And I was lucky enough to be one of those five. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I walked up and I said, Ben Folds? And he goes, yes. I said, Ben Fields. And he goes, <laughs> No shit. You're lying. (laughs) Yeah, he said, (laughs) you're kidding me. I swear. Yeah, he's like, do you have something for me to sign? I can sign one thing for you. I was like, yeah, sign this to Wes. (laughs) That's awesome. And I should go back. He was honestly, Ben Folds lived a block from Belmont. Yeah. And when I found that out, I said, yeah, I'll go to Belmont. Yeah. I mean, yeah, well, I mean, they were one of the few music business programs in the state or at least the vicinity. So that was sort of the icing on the cake, you know, like, oh, maybe I'll get to get a lesson with him or something, you know, and I'd see him walking around near campus and. Um, yeah, I mean, he's, you know, I, I haven't, I admittedly don't really listen to him as much anymore, yeah. but at the time he was, yeah, you know, an influence. Yeah. And especially, you know, the showmanship, you know, yeah. that he has is just, well, he's big in, in the Nashville music scene now, right? Yeah. And like a, a steward of the, of the Nashville absolutely, music scene, yeah. isn't he's, he? Trying uh, to keep it there, trying right. to keep it pure. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. He bought the RC, maybe he was leasing the RCA Studio B where Elvis recorded and yeah. the band actually got to record there in college. A lot of Belmont. Um, audio classes are, are taught through that studio. And yeah, so it was under Ben's wing for a while. And then, you know, these high rise <laughs> giant contracting companies try to tear him down. And, yeah. you know, so he was really good. I think it, they, he restored that uh, studio. And yeah, he's basically trying to save Music Row from becoming, you know, like the rest of Nashville. Just, yeah. Bunch of high rises. I guess, man, you've kind of watched Nashville change big time, haven't you? Yeah. I mean, when I got there in 05, I mean, I, it's so funny to think, like, I used to tell people my favorite restaurant was P.F. Chang's. Yeah. You know, now it's like, that's probably not even exist anymore. It's, you know, become so, I mean, so many great restaurants, so, you know, culturally diverse. Yeah. Um, the hockey team's gone crazy. Yeah. The, the, the ho- town is nuts for yeah, the hockey team. Yeah. And and now the football team finally has yeah, got yeah, a, you it's know. it's true. Is, is, coming around um yeah it, it's unbelievable to to see you know what was once a dilapidated building now is like a, a top golf you know or just yeah. this this crazy change yeah. what are they called tall tall and skinnies tall or what and skinnies, it, they, so yeah. they knock down one house and build three yeah on the exactly. lot yeah and they sell for yeah it's, <laughs> it's it's an insane market yeah it is you like living there yeah i actually live a little outside of town uh okay. live kind of near the opry the area is called donaldson yeah yeah um it's great we're at the end of our street and you it's know, quiet yeah, very quiet, and <clears throat> my wife can get to work in 20 minutes. I can get to the bus drop-off um, 15. You know, it's it's all super easy. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Well, you've been, I mean, you've been there almost half your life now, it sounds like. Yeah, <laughs> yes, you know? yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I came back in summers actually to work at Jupiter in town. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, yeah. So, oh, that's cool. Yeah, I, I didn't mean, know you did that. Yeah, I had a, had a kind of a film bug, um, and, I, you know, I'd, I'd, like, make movies in high school and then score the music myself on oh, a little that's Casio. Cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that that's always still – and maybe one day I'll – do have a foray into the film world. Um, you'd have to tell me that. I, 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 cer- I would certainly be willing. That'd to. be fun. Yeah. It'd be fun. Yeah. So yeah, we, we you know we should do something together. Yeah, sometime. it would be yeah, sure. Yeah. Let's do it. I love that. I miss it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have an old crappy camcorder. I mean, you obviously got tons of gear, but um, yeah. I mean, you know, that's been a cool thing too. You know, to be so hands on in the band, what we do. You know, our first 
the music video for Mercury was filmed on an iPhone. Really? We did the whole thing. And that got more press than any other video we've ever done. It's amazing, man. Yeah. It's amazing what the, the tool we have in our pocket. Absolutely. You yeah. Know? I mean, and this was in 2011. The cameras were not nearly as right. good as they are now. And, you know, th- we'd basically dump all the clips into a folder and, I guess, what do we use? iMovie or something yeah. and just piece it together. And we used an app called 8mm, which I think is still around. So just we knew to give that the, it a look? Yeah, well, yeah. we knew that the camera quality of, you know, trying trying to make it look good would look terrible. So yeah. we went for a more grainy yeah, yeah. sepia. Well, it's amazing, you know, that kind of content is now taken in on a cell phone. Mm-hmm. So it might as well be shot on a cell phone. Yeah, you know exactly. I mean? Yeah. Oh, I know. I mean, it's, it's, th- you know, a five inch square yeah. is what your is rectangle is right. where you're taking in the content. Oh, I know. You know, it doesn't, it, you know, very rarely does it go on a, you know, 65 inch TV for people to take in. Right. Oh, stuff I know. And more, it's crazy. I know. It's kind of mind, mind blowing. Yeah. You know, and I'm sure as a director, it's probably kind of frustrating to think it that- was at first, but then it's like, okay, I got, I just, we, we got to accept this or we get left behind. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing that happened when digital came out and all the film guys said, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. Mm. Digital's no good. I'm just going to do film. And those guys, a lot of them don't work anymore right. for that reason. So dust, it's like, yeah. it's like, okay, I need to, I need to adapt and be okay with my stuff, not having to be perfect mm-hmm. and not having to, to be the best cinematic quality in the world. We're telling stories here. Mm-hmm. I mean, have you seen TikTok? I mean, people are just right. like, you know, oh, know, telling crazy stories with a, with a cell phone and it's, it's cool. I yeah. think it's, I think it's, it's, I think it's good. I think it's fine. And I think you, you, you buy into it and accept it or just go ahead and get left behind. No, it's true. And even the music charts, the TikTok, I guess something about this, the way that the streaming numbers are used through the videos that use songs, maybe it's through Spotify. Oh yeah. They skyrocket scream streaming numbers. Oh, I'm sure. And I think that was honestly how, uh, old town road <laughs> became as big as it was. Really? You know, there were all these videos of people, you know, yeah. grinding in cowboy hats. And, yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's a great tool. I admit that we've not really used that. I feel like we're a little old to, (laughs) yeah, I I know. Or the songs just aren't goofy enough. I don't know. It's it's, music's in kind of a weird spot. Well, so what about like the streaming, streaming numbers and all that? Um, because you guys, you guys went through, uh, kind of the, the Spotify Renaissance, I guess. And you know, you did traditional album sales first, right? And then, and then now streaming numbers are where, album revenue comes from mostly i would assume no it is yeah um, and so is that is that fair to artists is it is it good for artists is it bad for artists does it does it further tilt the scales towards touring bands who you who may not make as much money off of their albums now but selling tickets to their shows is now what their bread and butter is a lot of questions there so. no no i understand um well from from our experience it's really so we put out um we never playlisting wasn't that's the key the answer to your question is it can you get on a playlist you know mm. it is such a crapshoot who likes there so we put out um a song on our own too high to yeah. may 7 2017 in may um we had just gotten out of a label deal at the time and we're just putting it out there doing it did, recorded it on our own you know there was no any sort of entanglement with anyone and when it came out, I noticed the day that it came out, they had used a, a link on there to show the lyrics and the, explain the lyrics. I'm like, wow, they like must have actually paid attention to this song. They yeah. did like this, the peace, because the song's about the kind of a peace sign. So yeah. they said, oh, the peace sign in this country means F you. You know, there's yeah. all these little tidbits. I'm like, oh, okay, they must be paying attention. And then you get emails from Spotify, which is a program called Spotify for Artists, yeah. and you've been added to such and such playlist. 
and it I mean got on like every single one. Really? And it was getting quarter of a million streams like a day. I mean, it was this crazy summer where that's and we never really like I said Spotify playlists weren't as big, but um we had pretty good streaming numbers and we averaged I think like 300,000 monthly listeners, which is pretty solid. Yeah. It skyrocketed to like 9 million. Really? Yeah. It was we were at one point ranked. I mean, and we, and we obviously weren't like this big, but it said you know 98th biggest artist streaming artist in the world you yeah. know it was like what? which is a big deal it is yeah. there's a lot of artists out there yeah no it, it was amazing it was the yeah. most exciting few months i mean yeah. we, we, I, I just my heart would race are we still on are we so it, it ended up happening the reason that it got so big was someone liked they have i believe spotify is in based in um sweden Someone in that main office heard it and really liked it and huh. got it. You yeah. know, like that song was actually written sort of in response after the 2016 election. We watched the Women's March together yeah. on the tour bus, <clears throat> and I had a uh, autocorrect fail on my phone. I'd written like um, I think the vocal range, whatever I was saying, was too high. T O O. For some reason, for whatever reason, my phone misspelled it autocorrected it to uh to two the number spelling. two the yeah. number two yeah. i was like oh that's a kind of a cool looks cool you know you're always yeah. looking for cool little phrases yeah. or words to jumble together so we had a gig at the orange peel in Asheville, which i think you were actually at that gig yeah I think it was on my birthday after. oh cool yeah nice yeah, yeah. so we um i t- showed trevor i didn't even like I didn't want to like explain what about two, but TWO, you know, I was like, yeah. just look at my phone, look at these words. He's like, yeah. Oh, like a peace sign. And I didn't even think about that. I didn't know if it was like second floor or what it could be, yeah. you know, just like, I'm like, Oh, that's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Next day, the women, women's March happens. We had a gig in Notre, um, in South Bend, Indiana, at Notre Dame. And we're just kind of watching that. We see peace signs and, you know, we are just sort of culminating some ideas, searching for some inspiration. I went home, I think the next Sunday or Monday evening and came up with some chords. Spencer writes this just really sexy, beautiful guitar riff. And I kind of wanted it to be like a Manu Chow kind of song, like a little more tribal world music sound, um, which it kind of shifted a little bit of Latin feel. But um, anyway, yeah, it it came out to just be this nicely little package pop song, you know, kind of not about, typical pop material right um and the people at spotify in sweden just really liked it you know and they playlisted the crap out of it and we ended up getting on today's top hits which is the biggest pop playlist on spotify i mean it is one in a million shot yeah yeah that you'll get on that so and that's what really drove up the streaming numbers to, to what they were and you know, um, did it, did, did you see a, a growth in your following at that point too? Yeah. Or was I mean, it just it, kind of flash in the pan? Like, Oh, that's a great song. I love it. And yeah. I mean, maybe for some people, I mean, everyone that a lot of people that come to our shows, maybe that didn't know about us always go, Oh, I, I didn't realize that was you guys, you know, oh, that's cool. Well, cause I mean, how many times it, I, I'm realistic. I know that, okay, if I hear a song on Spotify that I like, I'm not always going to Go to that artist's website. Right. I'm, I'm, you kind of just hear, I mean, it's like scrolling on Instagram. Songs are like so disposable now and you've just got to do something to sort of, you, you're really lucky if you've caught their attention. Absolutely. So I always say you're trying to stop somebody's thumb for three right, seconds. Yeah. That, that, that's what you got to do right, or you I don't know. have a chance. Right. No, it's so true. <laughs> I remember that. I don't know if you saw the uh, Firefest documentary. Uh, I, I, I did not. I well, it's, it's, it's so really bad. good. The one on Hulu is a lot better. Yeah. Um, but they were talking about like, how are we going to market this? 
festival. Like, how do you stop people? Yeah. Like, they had all these you Emily know, Ratajkowski in a bathing suit on a well, that, but but you <laughs> see her a lot. They yeah. wanted, they just went with an orange tile. So you're like, wait, what was that? They just ah, went for something that was yeah. just kind of, and then just the link to the actual page, huh? So we model our business after Firefest, and uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that's, that's just the gold standard. No, uh, that's just one example. I mean, that's you know uh, an example of how you can so you know try to attract someone with with all the noise that that's going on. So we've really kind of condensed a lot of the ideas. You know, our songwriting is just like all right, let's don't bore us, get to the chorus. You know, like it's you're kind of just selling this little idea and then live will obviously expand on yeah. it. But like, you know, these studio formats, if you're really wanting to get playlisted, you got to like get to the meat and potatoes. Yeah. Well, that's interesting that you guys have such a, such a range of focus. Like you're not, you're not just focused on top 40 hits. You're also focused on, or making top 40 hits. You're also focused on a great show. And, right. and, and while you, you might, you know, bring in, you know, ex- extend that, uh, break a little longer mm-hmm. and maybe make the song, you right. know, six minutes where it was three on the record or whatever. Yeah. And I think that that's something that I, that I overlooked with you guys for a, a little while was like Trevor, uh, Trevor is such a, he's such a charismatic front man. Mm-hmm. You don't realize what a badass he is at the guitar. Yeah, he is. And Spencer is too. Oh, Spencer's Your whole amazing. band is full of sticks, man. You yeah, guys are they, all really great. Well, thanks. Yeah, yeah. They, they can really play. And you know, the cool thing about even during those years of playing to nobody and really trying to get, you know, our, our, um, our toes wet, Trevor was the exact same yeah. with, with nobody in the audience. I mean, yeah. he, has he's never wavered it's been just full energy you know trying to connect every person in the audience if it's 15,000 or 15 you know yeah. he's he's all that he's just really good um at, at kind of making it, the audience feel special and yeah. kind of bringing everybody together which is su- super cool to to stand beside each night yeah that's really neat so what's been uh, what's been going on in the last f- in the last few years since the since the Spotify too high so yeah. like since 2017 since kind of right bigger like you know money starting to come from Spotify listens are starting to come from that yeah world. that that um that kind of wrapped up well what ended up happening was we started to get a lot of labels calling us which we'd never really had before really the only sort of label. Um, scenario we had was sort of through a publisher. Mm-hmm. So we got out of that gig right or that um, deal right before Too High came out. And then when Too High came out, we didn't want to sign. We did, right. we were just like, this is going so great. We're doing it on our own. Obviously, mm-hmm. we had a, like a digital partner that we worked with, Cobalt, um, who was amazing. Um, but the labels just, you know, they really wanted to take the song on a more international level. Yeah. So we're like, well, that sounds good, you know. So we ended up randomly <clears throat> the most streaming. Well, I guess it's not too random because in the Scandinavia, Spotify is really popular. But the most streamed city for Too High was Oslo, Norway. <laughs> really? Yeah, very odd. So we when that's we, a pretty big city too. It's a capital, isn't it? I uh, believe so. Yeah. yeah. So when we signed. Um, we they flew us to Oslo, and so we we ended up doing a whole Europe European tour, which we'd never done before. When was that? 2017, 2018? Late twenty seventeen, so okay. November. So you guys had never played out of the states before at this point? Uh, never, no. I mean, really? we'd done a festival Canada, in Canada, maybe? but maybe yeah, that was it. Um, so a European tour, European tour. So you signed with the with a label at that point? Yeah, we were with RCA okay. at the time. You signed um, with RCA, and then yeah, so they put that album out, let the record play. Um, yeah, and it was amazing. I mean, we 
were, were over there for about two or three weeks and played Munich, Hamburg, um, St- Stockholm in Sweden. Where was another? Oh, Berlin. And then one other city. Oh, Oslo. So, yeah, we were flying, had a European tour manager. And, I mean, the shows were you know, kind of back to our roots. They weren't like, you know, oh, yeah, let's go to a stadium. We got this yeah. hit song. No, I mean, it's it it takes a while to really, you know, like our friends in the Revivalists had um, Wish I Knew You, which is a massive hit yeah. song. Um, but it took them five, four years, really, until it, maybe three and a half years until it really hit number one on the radio. Really? You know, yeah, it just takes a long time to sort of work the system. Yeah. And that's why this past album we put out, Hometown Heroes, we're like, let's just get it out sooner than later because it's going to take a while to sort of circulate and yeah. swim through the system. Um, because, you know, if we're not just a bona fide pop star, like Justin Bieber's going to have anything he puts out. Yeah. If he's humming into a you know kazoo, it'll yeah. go to today's top hits. Sure. You know, so we've got to, you know, <clears throat> really kind of do a slow and steady burn and and strategy that's sort of always been our we've never really rushed anything it's always been just very methodical and um smart and that and a lot of that is our team that you know we're just oh we put this on it's perfect you know like nope gotta wait you know we can't distract from the progress from this song by putting out something else you know so it's all very well thought out. We're, we're really lucky to have the same team that we've had really since the beginning, other than that agent. We canned that guy. The disaster guy's out. Yeah. He's selling insurance Disaster. Now. Yeah. He's, he's out. Mm-hmm. He didn't gone. go for a job in logistics. Unfortunately not. Yeah. Should have. Should have taken a class in logistics, but no. So where, where are we at? We're 18, 2018, 2019. Is that the last record you guys so out, yeah, Hometown that, Heroes? Uh, no, so Hometown Heroes the new one. will be on the forthcoming album. So gotcha. we put out a couple songs last year, just as little, <clears throat> I don't know, appetizers. Yeah. Those songs actually are not going to be on the upcoming album. Um, yeah, and that, so we continually put out little, you know, whether it's an acoustic recording or, you know, just stuff to kind of, remind fans that we're still you know you know we we'd like to work you know that everyone in the band's got a very good work ethic and we're constantly coming up with some we don't want to overdo it but we're trying our best to um you know keep keep the workflow going keep the creativity flowing Mm -hmm. you know give fans something you know that they'd enjoy from us um so yeah we'll, we'll we put out hometown heroes i think we'll put out another song probably this summer, maybe at the end of the summer, fingers crossed, the album will come out before the end of the year. So. Yeah, it's excellent, man. So is 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 this whole this whole world that I mean now? How long has the band been around? Thirteen years. Yeah, I joined in late '07. Okay, well, so you've been a part of the band for right. 13 yeah, years. Yeah, and they've been. Gosh, honestly, the the name Moon Taxi as a band with those guys has probably been around since like oh three really yeah but i mean the first few years was very sort of just a side hobby kind yeah. of thing and then you locked in the the, the final lineup once you were there nothing's changed nothing's since changed then, right? yeah same five guys yeah so which is rare <laughs> so is it is it the same as you thought it would be to be a musician for a living a, a touring you know i, I rock star <laughs> right right um yeah for sure i'm a rock star um uh, no we um yeah, I mean, you know, I I prefer working musician. I, I, you know, yeah, know like yeah. I'm not, you know, I don't go into a bar and people are asking for pictures kind of thing. Right, you right, know, I'm right. very under the radar, not, you know, the side guy. Trevor, you know, he's he's not, you know, 
consider I wouldn't consider him famous, but people recognize him. He's got a very yeah. distinct look, and yeah. um, the best is when I'll be asked to take the picture. Of oh yeah, him. that's that's always fun. Did you ever watch? Was it Bittersweet Motel uh, where uh, the fish would get asked to take pictures on yeah. the beach with people's disposable cameras, and they would chop the heads off? They would chop the heads yes. off. <laughs> oh yes, used to do that. Yeah, you can't They'll, do that anymore. Can't do it anymore because they look at the phone. Hey man, hey, I can't yeah, see. Yeah. Uh, but. Yeah, we're all, you know, very domesticated, honestly. I mean, yeah, kids you know, and, and wives. Yeah, I yeah. mean, you know, and I listen to a lot of Howard Stern and, you know, Don Henley or even Steven Tyler. I mean, those guys, they're just like us. They yeah. lounge around the house, drink coffee and yeah. hang out in a robe. It's it's not that different per se. Um, we're ju- we just like to work. We like to stay busy. We like to be creative. We like to be productive, you know. So, yeah. um, you know, I will say I, in this time of covid when we're not really working on new music i get a little stir crazy really? anxious yeah i mean you feel like you're kind of treading water and you know it's like okay we have this song that's doing pretty well but I, what's next like what can we can we write the next mm-hmm. album you know it's and it's our whole process of songwriting's changed so much because our you know families are taking so much time that we're basically kind of trying to limit the the um one being in the same room you know it's like that you've really got to plan that in advance it's not as easy as just it used to be just driving down the street and writing a song or working on a track so now it's you know a lot of like for example a lot of the songs in the last record and a few on our upcoming record um spencer wrote the lyrics and had them done no track no music so he'd send that to me and i would make a track around that and sing a melody and you know just sort of build a song off like basically a poem. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, pass that along to Trevor probably next, and then he'll make changes. He sort of edits and, you know, that, that, that was sort of how that process worked for the last album. But this album is actually interesting because we're doing a little bit more co-writing, which has been awesome. Yeah. When we signed RCA, they shipped us out, me, Trevor and Spencer last July, right before my son was born to, um, to LA and wrote with just some of the best, pop songwriters and they're not really pop songs you know fortunately i think the producers that we've written with get that we're not maroon five that Mm -hmm. we're not you know and even though we are a rock band we're not you know i'm trying i don't even know are there any panic at the disco yeah you know we, we we're we're still in the live music scene we're still there's there's elements of folk there's elements you know it's very diverse sound it's it's electronic we used to call it um so, what is it? Southern Ameritronica. So we used to call it. Which is the name of our business, actually, Ameritronica LLC. Um, so that's great. Yeah. So that's kind of our, you know, we have that sound and we really don't want to be, you know, a pop band. Right. You know, that's really, I mean, even though that's, you know, it, it's just, we're a little old. We like our sound. Our yeah. fans dig it. You know, we, we, we really love what we do. We've kind of, you know, chiseled it in there and, and harnessed it to, to fit you know, what we like and we know we'll work live. So, you know, and that's ultimately at the end of the day, what we're kind of writing for, yeah. at least for me, you know, like a lot of the music I write, I think, how would this sound in the Georgia theater and mill and mind? Ooh, could we yeah. open with this? This would be a cool, we need something like this in the middle of the show, you know, to kind of keep the energy up, you know? So I sort of, you almost sp- reverse engineer your, exactly. Yeah. Which I've talked to songwriters are like, oh, I've never even heard of that. You know, it's kind of, <laughs> I'm like, really? It's like, I, it's like you score, a, I mean, you're obviously we're trying to capture what the song is saying, yeah. but at the same time, be very mindful that I want to play this live. And any song that we've sort of not done that with, 
we forget completely forget about right. it, so you're you're almost scoring a, a curated moment exactly <laughs> yeah no it's true it's weird it's so cool <laughs> yeah it's, it's how i like to do it yeah so it the uh the three of you that went to la are those the three that that do most of the songwriting you uh trevor and spencer yeah lyric the, most of the lyrics y- lyrics and music music too yeah um and really that was just a great learning experience to sort of get, I, I don't had not done too much co-writing at that point um, so that it was a great experience to be, you know, with some of these just amazing, just heavyweight songwriters. It was just super cool. And, and you realize that songwriting, it starts out a lot like this conversation. You sort of just catch up on life and what yeah. you've been doing, where you've been, you know, I heard your song in a commercial. Oh, cool. You know, you sort of talk about that. And then all of a sudden that conversation, you just sort of pick a little moment from that, that becomes potentially a yeah. subject matter for a song, you yeah. know, and you come an autocorrect with, moment. Yeah. An autocorrect moment. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. you never know. I mean, it, it can just come out of any sort of little, um, spark of inspiration, which, which is super cool. I mean, I pictured going in there, like, what do you have? You have, like, you'd play a bunch of little snippets of songs or I've got this hook. I mean, there's probably a little bit of that, but I mean, the best moments we have one off the new album called take the edge off. That's one of my favorites. And, um, we just, kind of talked about just the anxiety that you sort of get as a new parent in your late thirties and, you know, just sort of <clears throat> the, the, the emotions that come with that and how you just kind of want to take the edge off, you yeah. know, sometimes. So that sort of inspired that song. And there, there were just a lot of sort of just conversations that songs were born out of. Yeah, these out like there. universal truths that you're feeling with your, with yourself and with your band yeah. bandmates. That, yeah. And we're all around the same age. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm the youngest by a few years, but you know, we're relatively kind of going through the same stuff and, yeah. <clears throat> you know, we've had our fair share of, you know, what do we like last year, you know, when you have a big year, like we had in 17 and 18, mm-hmm. you, you, you've got to kind of save some of your mojo for the next album. You can't just Oh, oh, they're back in Salt Lake City again. Like, what are yeah. they? You know, like so. W- w- you you sort of hide under the radar. So we did a lot of more private stuff last year. Um, not as many festivals. You know, we're saving a lot of that out until we have new material out. Mm-hmm. And um, so you know, it's it, it was kind of a boring year, and this year's just a complete wash. So. What a disaster! <laughs> 2020 an absolute a shit show absolutely yeah can we it, cuss on this oh yeah we okay. just did okay okay i was about to say <laughs> absolute poop show uh, well so you know you've kind of told me but but what's you know what's next like what, what do you what do you see out there i you know i don't know you're you know, fauci for that I, I really i got nothing i mean we're told the music business general consensus is I mean, you can do the drive-in concert thing. Yeah. That's my buddy books a band called Spafford, and they yeah. sold. They're great. Yeah, they're awesome. So yeah. you know, and he went picked a drive-through movie theater and booked a show, and I don't know. I think they've sold out two nights. Just like people are dying to, you know, I don't know. So do you roll up and turn your radio to the certain? No, I think name? you get out. Like there's yeah. just like oh, a yeah. little. It'd be like parking at. Yeah, like a stall, like a drive-in. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Stall. yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. hang out in your stall, and I was hoping you'd know, like sit on your car. Like, what do really heavy people do? Just bend the hood. Yeah. Like, is it really <laughs> worth it? You know, total your. Hood. Uh, anyway, so yeah, we have talked about that. Apparently, there's a good one down in Georgia that's sort of a perfect location for us with the Atlanta crowd and Athens. Yeah. And so that's interesting. Yeah, so maybe we'll do that. We don't really know. Um, I've kind of got the itch to write again, you Good. know, basically kind of how I, I sort of tr- figured out how my writer's block works. And it's like, I 
pick up, like I'll go to a festival and go, gosh, this tempo is cool. Or gosh, that, that that's, you know, I'll just hear little things that inspire me, usually live, honestly, just hearing a bunch of cool music at these festivals and sing something into my phone or I'll, I'll just have this little, and I'll bottle them up. And then when I get to Logic, my computer program, I'll, you know, make just little quick chopped up tracks of yeah. ideas. And so I have this whole bed of um, little ideas. Um, so when I don't have a lot of exciting new music to see, I, it's, I'm sort of a, a dry Making. well. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, so I, I, fortunately I'm, I'm able to, I don't know, I'm going to plug a really awesome station. Um, I, my wife and I listen to on our Sonos 101.5 Radio Nova. It's a French radio station. Huh. It's the most inspiring, cool music you've never heard. So I listen to a lot of that for inspiration just stuff that's out of just the sort of homogenous pop sound yeah i mean i love spotify but a lot of the playlists you're just it sounds like the exact same thing over and over uh, yep so i'm always looking for something sort of exciting and different from the other end of the the globe 101.5 radio no radio turn it Nova. on it's amazing i mean and you listen to <clears throat> these stations and i mean i'm not knocking local radio but like so much of it when you think independent radio, you don't think U2. Right. You don't yeah. think Fufa. I mean, that's cool. There's, you know, it's a little fringe left to center, I guess, some of it. But, like, I want to hear stuff. Like, 90.3 here yeah. is one of the best stations in the country. Yeah. Have you heard WNCW in Asheville? Uh, or I'm not in, sure. In North Carolina? Same deal. Kind of, yeah. Just yeah. eclectic, cool stuff. I and mean, it just, when you're searching for inspiration, you kind of, you know, cock your head up and go, wow, what is, you know, how did, where did this come from? Yeah. You know, and, and, and that's how I found a lot of really cool music <clears throat> on the French station, like Wolfpack, I'd never heard, which randomly my wife went to high school and played in the jazz band with a bass player of Wolfpack and really? Harbor Springs graduated with 80 people in Northern Michigan. Yeah. No way. Yeah. Joe Dart and her used to play in a band together. Um, they do those crowd melodies and stuff oh yeah, just like the, Army, the, just like, unfolds, yeah. yeah, on the live out, yeah, yeah. That's pretty, the only other t- the only other band I've ever heard do it. I know, I know. I don't Using know why the, we never thought of that. Steal that, great. I, yeah, I think Trevor could make that. Yeah, oh, he'd love that. Yeah, but um, yeah. So I, th- this is kind of the uh, the the uh, bottling up of ideas manifestation yeah. time and and then i think well once we get out of this we're gonna hang out on Saturday. we're gonna do a band pool party on saturday cool which would be good i haven't seen those guys in forever so we'll probably hey we'd have been working on you know cool titles cool you know lyric and poems whatever you know it'd be fun that's awesome man excited to see those guys i bet i bet you guys miss each other yeah. it's the brother thing yeah we do i mean yeah. I, it was really special we so trevor and i did an acoustic uh fundraiser for um the service industry and actually it was a national anyway this was lee initiative is what it's called hmm. so this was about a month ago and you could just he was so bottled up and he sounded so good i mean you could tell he's really just you know he's a guy that didn't want to sit around he works on yeah. singing he works on guitar playing you know yeah. he's a really hard worker so um you know we got together and kicked into our song run right back which is you know, pretty emotional song. He started crying. You know, really? he's like, I just, yeah, it was really cool. I mean, yeah. he's like, I just miss this so much. You know, I mean, he's just born to perform and yeah. play, you know, that's his thing. You know? Yeah. Well, you know, you say bottled it up. It's almost like he's fermenting. You right. Know? And it's like when the top blows yeah, off. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Ready. That's the word I was looking for fermenting. Yeah. Um, yeah, man, it's, you know, it's, it's weird to be just stripped of what you're, um, meant to do and what you've always done. Yeah, so. that's been a theme on this show for the last few episodes. It's like, yeah, it's like, 
well, what the hell do gig oh, guys who make their living playing gigs? What do you do? And it's mm-hmm. like, I'm, I feel for you guys for sure. Not just because it's your job and you're missing out on your job, but also because it's this release, right? you know, for a lot, for, you know, a lot of, a lot of musicians. So, yeah. and, and like you said with Trevor, it's like you, you miss that release. There's a lot inside that probably gets fermented. It does. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah. It's top blows. Yeah. <laughs> it's, um, yeah, it's a, it's a weird time. We, we don't know what and when things are going to, happened i mean the yeah. word on the street is probably spring next year realistically yeah. so i mean we'll see well i can't wait to see you guys again can't wait to play again i, I mean knoxville is one of the last gigs we played yeah I mean, we did a um two sold out nights at the mill and mine right? mine and then we went down through athens and macon and that was it little did we know yeah was- so did you get a tour canceled or or was the tour over and then? Well, it's always a tour, like I said, oh, yeah, the perpetual yeah, yeah. tour. Gotcha. But yeah, we've had a few smaller gigs cancel, yeah. um, a couple privates, hangout fest rescheduled. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we're, we're 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 we have a fall tour. Fortunately, I mean, the silver lining is our drummer just had a baby in April, so we had kind of blocked off a little uh, yeah. maternity leave of yeah. sorts for him. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he said the other day, he was like, I don't know how I could leave right now. Like the, yeah. she's a month old and, you know, struggling to sleep. And yeah. So what's that like? I've always wondered how you leave your, because I had to do it. I mean, right after my last daughter was born, I went to South America for two weeks to, to shoot a documentary. And mm-hmm. it was like, this is torture. Yeah. <laughs> like, I can't believe I did this. Oh, I know. Yeah. It's tough. Yeah. Um, yeah, you just kind of, you know, get your parents' work schedules to line yeah. up. Trevor's parents and his wife's parents live in Nashville. So when they have a kid, um, yeah. you know, that'll be an option for them. And yeah, yeah it's tough. I mean, um, I don't know how some musicians do it at all. We're going to probably, when my wife goes back to work and I'll start touring again, just do the nanny thing yeah. and, um, yeah. you know, make it happen. Yeah. Uh, did we miss anything? God, I don't know. We <laughs> talked about just about all of it. Everything. From the very first piano lesson on. <laughs> I'm sure I'll get home and go crap. Should talk about that? Yeah. yeah. Well, dude, thank. I'm uh, really thank you so much for yeah. for doing this. I really appreciate it. And if nothing else, it was great to just see your face yeah, and catch man. up with Likewise. you. Man, it's been a few years. Absolutely, man. Well, thanks, it. thanks for doing it. Thank you for having me. Yes. Well, that was fun. I hadn't seen Wes in years. Uh, we haven't caught up in a really long time. Uh, my wife saw him at uh, one of his shows uh, around Christmas of last year and told him about my podcast and said, "Hey, you should come on someday." And sure enough, we made it happen. So uh, I'm glad that we I'm glad that we did it. I'm so grateful that Wes came by, and I'm grateful to you guys for listening. Thank you so much. Go to southofscruffy.com. Check out Patreon.com/southofscruffy. Become a member and subscriber of this show. And keep it going. Keep the lights on. All right. Thanks a lot, guys. Have a good one. Scruff hit. Matt Honkinen, play me out. <laughs>